Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and it's been a while since you listened to my voice as the host because Simon is not here tonight. So he's probably out getting an award or something. Do you have any idea where he is, Chris? I think he's dreaming about getting another award because he's had no sleep. Oh, that's what that's so, about. So he's, uh, I, I think he's sleeping. What what time is it over there? It's got to be, it's like close to midnight or something. Yeah, no, and he had to, and let's face it, he had to watch the, his Jets play the, the Eagles, you know? His Jets. Yeah, that that's surely to piss him off. <laughs> We'll talk so a little I, bit about I'm the gonna, AFC. I'm absolutely going to tell him that you said that. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about the AFC East. Maybe two minutes worth, three minutes worth. We won't even do it at the top of the show. But before we do that, this show is brought to you by GoPuff. Use a promo code WELCOME1010 or 1010. WELCOME1010. And you get $10 off your first 10 orders. Also by Factor Meals. Use the promo code 3 yards per carry 50. That's the number 3 yards per carry. 50 and you get 50% off your first order. And of course, prize picks use the promo code three yards, the number three yards, and you get a hundred dollars when you deposit $100. It's a one-time rollover. It doesn't get any better than that. And of course, betteredge.com slash the number five reasons. And you get $20 just for signing up. And I love this part. Okay. Cause it's been a while. We've been trying to get a liquor company on this, on this podcast for a while. And oh, we, we got are, one. Yes, we do. Uh, we are introducing a new sponsor to the program. Black Coral Rum. It's like capturing a sunshine state in a glass. They have promised me some rum. And when it gets to my doorstep, I will give it a full review. But listen to my voice probably at the beginning of the show, after the show, in the middle of the show. They're going to probably place their ads wherever they, they see fit. Go to steeltiespirits.com to learn more about Black Coral Rum. You can get it anywhere you get your rum. steeltiespirits.com. That's S-T-E-E-L, ties, T-I-E-S, spirits.com. And they'll tell you more. They are owned by Floridians. Their factory is in West Palm Beach. I can't tell you any more until I get my rum, which I should have in my hand next week and i could give it a full review all right if we all if we all get some then we should all just be doing shots like while while we do the podcast yes yes oh yeah we'll take a shot for every time simon talks up the new york jets oh god so again i'm gonna tell i'm I'm absolutely (laughs) telling him you said that (laughs) we'll be dead by 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 the mid-break yeah uh all right well uh, we're gonna talk about this game because it was um, it was a oh, rather. I thought event. we were gonna talk about the New York Jets. We will, we will in a second, but we are gonna talk about this game. We're gonna talk, and I'll give you the whole rundown to the show. We'll talk about the offense in the first half of the show. We'll talk about the defense in the second half of the show, and we'll give out game balls at the end of the show. But let's do. We got to do five minutes on this. We got to do five minutes on the AFC East. Uh, what do you want to talk about first, Chris? The Jets about, beating the how, Eagles how, how, how or about, the Giants and the Bills? Uh, who, what team is, what team is, uh, is first in the AFC East? The Miami Dolphins. Oh, we should probably talk about them. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or they had a pretty good game. 
Yes, they did. That that Bills game was like watching your dog die, getting hit by a car. <laughs> I actually watched it, and um, I didn't appreciate that I watched it. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the play call at the end of the game? You're at the one foot, well, not even the one foot line because they got to mark it at the one inch line. By the way, if if it's pass interference at in the end zone, shouldn't the ball be placed at the one inch line? <laughs> but by rule, they place it at the one. So they place that at the one. What did you think of that play call? I, I kind of love the play call. They just got away with a blatant mugging of Darren Waller. But what did you think? I hated it. Really? I hated it. Were I, you I thinking like we... like most of America just, you know, pull out the tush push right there? Uh, well, yeah, the tush push or or a, a, a little off tackle run could never hurt you on uh, in, in a play like that. But um I hated the play call. I think that I saw on tw- I saw on Twitter a nice reaction. It was like even Pete Carroll was like, "Whoa, you know, like, like maybe you should have run it, bro." <laughs> yeah, that was a bit too far. <laughs> yeah, um, and and yeah, I, I I did not I did not like that play call. I thought it was very low percentage for the situation. Um, there there clearly there clearly had to be something uh something more reliable for that one yard and yeah i mean everybody's talking you know the the uh the tush push or the uh the, the cheek sneak or the rear steer or whatever you want to call it um you know the, i i yeah you could whip that out if you want but um but i think that uh there had to be a better i mean there just overall had to be a better uh play call especially from the run playbook than that and yeah it cost them it cost them it ended up uh i mean see I'm not ready to go to World War Three over the no call on that play. I, I I thought it was you know whatever. Okay, yeah. If we're being real, you know, sp- like detailed and slowing it down and zooming in to you know a hundred x and and looking, yeah, okay, maybe. But more times than not, more times than not, across the league, I have seen this all year. And I've seen this last few years. The referees are begging off situations like that. They are just, you know what? This is this final game situation, the final game, final play situation. It's gonna it's gonna decide the game. We're not gonna throw shit. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I, I forgive my language, but I mean that's that I've seen it again and again. So I, you know, if you're the if you're the Giants and you're hoping for another pass interference call, you're lucky you got the first one. You're hoping for another pass interference call to get you to the half yard line or something like that, uh, you know. And that's why you call that play. That's not why they call the play. But I mean, like that—that's not a possibility to me anymore. The the NFL, the officials are—I was shocked that they threw the flag to begin with to get them on the one yard line. Um, because more often than not, even when it's blatant, the officials are just keeping the flags in their pocket in those in those those final those final play situations. So you know, a terrible play call to me. Um, but you know, hey, whatever. It's not my team. Yeah, and we'll talk. And look, we, we don't have to talk about the Jets here because we're going to talk about them on Thursday since they're their last team to play our next opponent when we do our preview show. I'm pretty certain we'll talk about that Jets game. But we got to move on to the Dolphins. And the Carolina Panthers. And we're going to start with the offense. And I want to start with a little bit of of, a conspiracy theory. There is absolutely 100%. I'm 100% certain 
that Tua saw Tyreek wide open on that touchdown pass he threw to Waddle, and he threw it to Waddle anyway to get him more involved. Do you agree? No, I disagree on that. Really? I too, yeah. I, how, I how did he? How did he miss Tyreek? Tyreek was like, you could have punted it to him. I saw the play, you know, and I, and I saw you could you could have. It's one of those plays. Listen, it's one of those plays. You could have made the case that there were three touch. It, it's sort of like, uh, sort of like when we criticized the uh, this coverage that the Dolphins rolled out with against the Bills, and it was like pretty much everybody and everybody was open in the end zone um, for the for the Bills. <laughs> yeah, like and, yeah, and but, if anybody did, but if anybody, but if anybody would have run a button hook to the middle of the field, they would have been fucked. <laughs> yeah, and, and so it was like, yeah, it was like, you know, who who didn't score a touchdown on that play? Um, Honestly, you could have made the case that Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, or uh, Durham Smythe uh, score a touchdown on that play. Um, I believe and, it was Durham. And Tua Smythe. chose the most difficult throw of the three. Well, you know, it wasn't the most difficult because you, we're thinking. Sometimes I think we're still trapped, uh, trapped into the thinking like this is like this is a right hander. If this was a right hander rolling to his left. And and trying to throw against the green like that and hit hit back to Jalen Waddle, then yeah, I get you. But this is a left-hander rolling left with full control over how he does that, and and I think that actually might have been his easiest throw. And um and so I think that uh, I think that he chose I think he chose right. It was it ended up looking easy, you know, the way he the way he darted it in there, and there was no challenge to the couch by the time he threw it you could argue that the the, the distance would have closed on uh tyree kill and on durham spike making it a little bit more challenging i think he chose right i think i think it was just one of those plays where hey we had like three touchdowns probably anyway any way we wanted it um and maybe even two could have run it and who knows um but you know i i think that uh i think that either way touchdown is a touchdown yeah and we're gonna get into uh the third and one call uh, early in, in the game that led to two consecutive oh, three and outs, which is odd. Yeah, first of all, it hasn't happened. I don't believe all season. I know that the they had two three and outs inside of three drives against the Bills, but that was you know two inside of three. These were two consecutive. Uh, by the way, we saw Stephen Ross through the waddle. That was yeah, yeah. That was that was tragic. <laughs> is it tragic or, or heartwarming? <laughs> Oh, uh, tragic! <laughs> Our owners doing the waddle up in the in the press box. Things have to be going pretty well, no? Yeah, I know. I, I God, God bless. He's having a good time. I like it. You know, it, it just <laughs> just encourages him to to continue to sign off on you know whatever is needed um, yeah. from a football sense. But uh, but, but that yeah. leads me my that leads me to a more important question. Any concern with how they're they're utilizing Waddle? Is he being underutilized in this offense? Now it's hard to say. You know, ah, you know, you're making a mistake here when you have a, one of the most historic offenses, and by DVOA, uh, which is not a stat that I'm I'm all all too enthused about. But according to DVOA, it's the best offense in the history of the sport. Through six games, are you? Yeah, I'm, not even, I'm. I'm not even. I, I'm a bad. I'm a bad analytics guy. In as much as I, I don't even. I don't. I, I haven't even really familiarized myself that much with DVOA. And, and there are some people that swear by it. But um, is this? Am I concerned about Jalen Waddle? No, 
no. Uh, I think that. Yeah, I'm not concerned. Him. I'm not going to say that. That are you concerned about Jalen Waddle? Whether he has like an injury or he didn't come in with the right mindset this year? No, no. Are I you mean, concerned like his, with how they're usage. utilizing him so far this year? Uh, his usage? No, no. I, and I'll tell you why. Because I think that I think that when you come into this year and you decide that you're going to have an actual commitment to the ground game this year then something has to give there is only one football and and you know if you look at the Tyree Kill what they've done with him with the short motions um that is very much a Tyree Kill kind of oriented uh innovation and it's something that um, it's something that's like Tyree Hill is playing a specific role. I mean, you can see him even when he's not going in motion and stuff like that. Like, look at look at the way he's he's lined up as a wide receiver and where he's oriented. He's almost lined up like facing to a tongue of Iloa every every snap. Mm. Like he's not. He's not, he's not, you know, lined up like a wide receiver looking at the looking at the DBs, looking at the leverage and stuff like that. He is lined up to his side, looking at Tua Tungavailoa like every single snap. And, you know, he has a very specific, I think, um, or you know, detailed role in this. And it's just Jalen Waddle's luck that that wasn't him, you know, that that he's playing next to the guy that is functionally the fastest man in the league. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's, uh, something has to give, you're going to have a commitment. Now I'll, I'll give you where one thing where the rubber meets the road, I think on that, um, last year, it was pretty well known that, la- that, uh, after, for example, after a first down incomplete pass or, or something like that, where there's a second and 10 second and long type of situation, Miami were ridiculously unlikely to uh to run the football right Mm. um we're talking you know one out of ten times or something like that um this year they are middle of the league in that sort of tendency that's a lot of that's a lot of run plays subbing in for pass plays and so what you what you have then is you have fewer balls going to all the other receivers um, because Tyree Kill is still getting the balls because he has that very specific carved out innovative role done for him this year. He's the he's the tip of the spear on Mike McDaniel's innovation this year. Um, so he's not getting the balls taken away from him. It's it's elsewhere, and J- that's unfortunate for Jalen Waddle. He's going to have to deal with the fact that he's only going to have a thousand yards for like with like six touchdowns this year. Mm. Yeah, only right. Only. <laughs> while while our while our running back has about thirty touchdowns from, yeah. from scrimmage. Uh, I don't know if that's in. I don't know if that record is in jeopardy because it's Ladanian Tomlinson thirty one touchdowns. But yeah. Mostert's at uh, what nine? He's at nine right now or more? What like rushing? I mean, he's got overall. Overall, the overall record is thirty one by Ladanian Tomlinson. How many does Mostert have right now? He has he has eleven, I believe. Jesus. So he does have a shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's 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 on he's on pace for he's on pace for it. Like he's on pace for that many. He's on, I mean this is a 17 game season, but he's on pace for 31 touchdowns. So wow, yeah, it's incredible. Which leads us to and that's uh, oh that's by the way with Achan having 
seven. Done what he did for like three games. Yeah, he was Gale Sayers. Yeah, he was he was Gale Sayers for for three <laughs> three games. Yeah, so I mean, if you if you put if you put Mostert like you think about you think about the Mostert getting that record from Ladanian Tomlinson, for example, right? Well, Ladanian Tomlinson didn't have anybody else. Like, I mean, he 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 did have a backup. What was his name? And went to the to the Atlanta Falcons and um and and lit it up for a while, but. Um, but I mean, he wasn't—he wasn't sharing like that. This is a situation where Achan has seven touchdowns, you know, and and Mostert has eleven. Yeah. And and what? How many? How many does Ahmed? Uh, Ahmed got one. Uh, that was his first of the of the year. Yes. Um, Brooks but, doesn't have uh, any. Brooks, and Brooks doesn't, doesn't have, any. have any yet. So so I mean, we're talking we're talking a total of nineteen. Is that nineteen? Yes. That's 19 for the running backs. Is that absolutely ridiculous or not? You yeah, know, that's on pace for like 60. Remember when I used to get on this podcast? Six and say, games. Oh, yeah. Remember when I used to get on this podcast and say, you know, the Dolphins need to average three touchdowns per game. Well, they're averaging five and a half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right now, this is pretty good. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we are we are very we are very lucky as fans right now. They're making football very interesting for us. Yeah, which leads me to one thing that is not very interesting. The third and one issues just continue, and I don't think it's personnel. And I know we've talked about it before. Ah, you need a bigger back or whatever. How about just calling a run under center? Put yeah. two under center, call a run that's designed to go right or left. Maybe have a trap action. Maybe have a counter action. But just, you know, maybe just call, you know, a, a slant block blocking scheme or inside zone or split zone. How about just call a running play on third and one and see if that works? <laughs> You know, and, and this could be one of those things. Um, maybe Mike McDaniel didn't think this all the way through, but I, I'd hate to accuse him of that because he's he's an extremely detail-oriented guy um, when he gets into that laboratory. Um, so this third down play, I could understand if analytically speaking – you got third and very and short third and one um something like that you really have an opportunity to create a massively big play on a on a play like that if it's set and, up like let's say you failed on third and one twice over twice you know twice before in the game you come up with the same look and then you run that thing yeah that that could fool somebody it could go for a big 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 play well, it's, yeah, I mean, but but the beginning even, of the game. Even, even if you don't, even if you don't set us, well, let, let's take a look at that play. For example, right now, that play was going to work. Tua fucked it up. Or sorry, again, I my language. Um, Tua mm-hmm. messed that up. Mm-hmm. Like Tua, that as much as I love the guy, he threw a bad ball, yeah, and missed because him. of the nature of the play, it was a bad ball that's like still a live ball. You know, it's not just an incomplete pass. If it were an incomplete pass, you live to fight on fourth down, and then you could go ahead and, and call your more consistent play um, if you think, you know, if you think you've got that. So I think from an analytic standpoint, I wonder if there's just a, a decision that is like, you know, listen, in these situations, the opportunity for a huge play is right there. And those huge plays are more impactful than simply moving the chains, you know. And and so, and so, like even even at the at the risk of not moving the chains, you know, um, when you account for it all, 
So I, I think I, I wonder if that's otherwise I'm a little bit baffled by it. But um, but I wonder if that's sort of the decision, because I know that when I went back and looked at it. That was a good play in as much as it was going to work and it might have gone for a long touchdown. I mean, it might have. Um, and it didn't, obviously, because Tua messed it up and messed up the throw. Uh, but yeah, so so who knows? Yeah, and if you saw that that Bills that Bills Giants game, Giants need to find a running game somewhere. And you know they had an offensive line, including one guy, Justin Pugh, who, put, who played one of the most heroic football games I've ever seen anybody play. Especially as he introduced himself straight off the couch. Remember? Yep. <laughs> did, you, did you see that? That dude walked off the couch, started the game at left guard, and then they decided, you know what? Our left tackle went down. You're playing left tackle now against Greg Rousseau, AJ Epeniza, and Von Miller. Yep. And did not give up a sack. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty incredible. <laughs> that was insane. But what did the Giants do? Okay, that you know they were farting around the entire game and they couldn't run the football. And they said, you know what? Why don't why don't we just go from go to a play call from like 1974 called Trap 24 and just run over and over and over again? And guess what? It's a simple play that everybody's been blocking since they were in high school. And you're essentially, if you're the running back, you're just aiming for the right hip of the of the right guard as the left guard pulls into the hole and the tackle kicks out. And you do it over and over and over again. I think simple execution is the answer to these third and one woes. Uh, and less invention. Just just execute because your offensive line, I think, is good enough. Well, I and- hope that they're bringing up because the, the, the easiest, the lowest hanging fruit, I think, is is when you get into a situation like that. They've already tried an Alec in gold, you know, kind of a snap from under center, um, you know, whatever, a sneak. And I didn't like that because in gold really, you know, he's not a big, tall, overwhelming dude. Um, but they've, we've done it before with Durham Smythe. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, an easy answer right there or just, well, we'll see. Now we have to talk about Chris Brooks's injury, but, um, but you know, when he comes back, uh, give the ball to him <laughs> you know yeah yeah I, I, a load I, yeah i absolutely agree and it, sometimes the, the answers are simple ones and i think in this case they're simple and i understand because some i, I heard some fans saying and it's a great idea especially with all the speed that they have when a-chan comes back why don't you start doing direct snaps to a-chan or to mostert and have them quarterback the thing at third and one uh, i disagree with that because you want to have Tua under center you want Tua in the shotgun because a defense is going to respect you on third and one when you have that quarterback back there. You know what I mean? You know, if you're a well, you power know, team, you know I guess you could get great? out there in direct snaps with Mostert, but I kind of like again, the threat. Again, again, I will have to insist, though, this play was set up. This was designed to create a massive big play. Mm-hmm. And to uh, because if you even look at the execution of it, to a faked like there was a snap issue. And, and from under center, or he, took or he a while. was faking like if he was gonna sneak it, maybe. No, he was he was he was under center, and he faked. He, he almost like faked like there was a snap. He stayed squatted down, like he stayed squatted down, and faked for that for like you know half a second, and then he and then he pops up, and throws the ball back and back to uh, to the running back, and and I think that this was. And if you look at if you look at the way that was clear for the running back on the play, like this was going to be a big game. This was going to be not just converting the third and short. Um, 
And so I, I, I really think that they just got too cute for their own good and, and drew and, and threw something out there that they thought was going to be an explosive. Um, and, you know, maybe you don't do that in a game. Maybe you don't quite do that in a game where, you know, you're facing the Carolina Panthers at home. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or sorry, maybe maybe you do that in a game where you're facing the Carolina Panthers at home. And maybe you don't end up doing that in a game where it's like, you know, hey, this is against the Kansas City Chiefs in Germany. And this could be for the number one overall seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, which, so. which, which very likely might be in three weeks. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Last thing before we go to break, very briefly, uh, they got to do something with the running back position because uh, we mentioned Brooks. Uh, he is, uh, I'm not going to proclaim him out for, for several weeks, but the coach today said, uh, you know, Xavier Howard is day to day, but Brooks is more likely week to week, which suggests to me he's going to be out a while, which means. Since Achan is on IR, they got three healthy running backs. They need to add a fourth here. You got yeah. an idea? You got an idea, or or well, they've already are they going to dazzle us added, with another another acorn that they unearth? Well, they they've already added Jake Funk to the um to the practice squad, so you got to keep an eye on him. There's a reason he's there, I think. Mm. Um, he's unless he, <laughs> unless he's already been unless he's already been gotten rid of, and I don't I, I don't know it, but um, no, uh, I I think you have to pay attention to him. I think that. You know, it's interesting. Some people were sad that we lost that they lost Darrington Evans. Um, I didn't necessarily think that Darrington Evans fit that well um, from a stylistic standpoint. Um, I think that you know he was he was he was a heck of a a guy just you know in a to to evaluate in a vacuum in terms of making people miss and um, and making some plays. But you know, in terms of uh, having a feel for the rhythm of this uh, this type of running game, I wasn't I wasn't sure about that. Jake Funk could be a little bit better. Uh, not really a hundred percent sure on that. But they're going to look for a guy uh, for the practice squad probably to join up with Jake Funk. I don't think they're. I mean, the obvious answer is, you know, Jeff Wilson's probably going to be back. He's probably going to be back on the fifty three man roster. He's mm-hmm. he's on a reserve list right now. So, um, you know, who who gets cut in favor of um, of a returning Jeff Wilson? We'll see, because, you know, when they put HN and uh, on IR, it was actually Robert Jones who came off of reserve Hmm. to to replace him. And now he's off of injured reserve. He's the first guy, really, that's that's come off of it um and and come back to the team so are they going to continue continuing that you know now that robert jones is back does that spell doom for a lester cotton for example you know mm-hmm. um you know that's that's something to to consider um but yeah they're they're gonna go on it's not it's not all that consequential though because devon achan is going to be back pretty much the moment he's allowed back mm-hmm. is, is what it sounds like well, well you know? this is something we talked about on OnlyFans, but he's told people that you know he could have played, you yeah. know, which is probably really optimistic. But if he says I could have played, that means he's probably yeah, being mean, optimistic, as in he probably could have played this week against the Eagles. Yeah, you know? if it were if it were the, see, they're doing things right now with injured reserve that they wouldn't be probably wouldn't be doing if this were if they were in the playoffs. In other words, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's that's what I think you have to keep in mind. 
and but they are running into a little bit of a you know a, a, an issue a bottleneck um they have people that they're going to have to get rid of on this roster on this 53 man roster when Achan comes back when Jeff, as I said, Jeff Wilson, when he he's coming back probably this week, um, you know, it, it, when these guys come back, Jalen Ramsey, when he's going to be, we, we got big news on game day about him. Uh, not big news. If you've been, you know, part of our discord uh, for the last month. Um, but, you know, if you, if you saw, you know, Tom Pilicero say that Jalen Ramsey might even practice this week, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, that he might that he's he's beating his December estimates by quite a bit. And while it's hard to promise what he's actually going to play, um, I I if I were if I were putting money somewhere, I would I would say that he's going to be lobbying so hard to be in that that game in Germany, absolutely against the Chiefs. Um, that's that's my that's my feeling. But anyway, uh, yeah, they they've got. They they've got guys on the periphery that are looking to come back to the roster, and so the guys on the roster that are at the bottom, it's like uh, we just don't have room for you anymore. And it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because they've needed these guys, several of these guys. You know, Calvin Joseph, I wouldn't buy a house. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or or yeah, j- just uh, rent an Airbnb. <laughs> or uh, what, what what's his? Uh, I'm don't sorry, sign what, a lease. What, What's what's his um what's his uh his his name that he that he prefers instead? Uh, he doesn't like to be called Kelvin Joseph. He likes to be called um oh, something I, else. I forgot his name. Yeah, it's like <laughs> something something fat. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, Noig Benogany got his first defensive snap in like three weeks uh, last week and gave up a forty-yard catch immediately. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Boss, uh, but it was, it was called back. It was called back for holding. So. To be Boston fair to Noah Benogany, the, the, the stat sheet still says zero targets, zero catches, because it was called. You, well, you know what it was about uh, Boss Man Fat? Uh, oh, there it is. Is, is that uh, is when he came in the game a couple weeks ago, um, I think right away he let up. I think right away he was, he was responsible for a broken coverage. And so it was like, you know, I don't think he's going to be an – I think he's going to be on the inactive list now next week and I, I think that that's playing out like I, I i don't know i don't know if he's catching on um well we will we shall see but i i notice with interest that um perry nickerson took the the dime roll from justin bethel this week um and you know not not boss man fat um <laughs> I and like not it. N- not even cam smith though you know um and so so I think that um, that just represents how far away Calvin Joseph might be, and that just means he's probably next man out. All right, and we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we will talk about the defense, or lack thereof, early on in this game, as it looked like if it was uh, you know a parade of nineteen you know twenty nineteen stars in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, these words. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. 
When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. And if you heard our rejoin there, that's Jalen Phillips, who was not to be heard from. On, on Sunday, he's coming back from an oblique injury, but I watched some of his his reps, and we'll, we're going to start on the defensive line and on the pass rush. Pass rush is, is much more improved, okay? But um, did you did you feel as if Jalen Phillips, they, they tried to put his hand in the dirt a couple of times, and they, I, I, I guess he was on a, ch- on a pitch count, and we can't judge him too much, but did you feel that they were using him in a different manner? this Sunday than they had before? Jalen Phillips, were they were they using him in a different manner? Yes. Um I don't really I didn't really get that sense. Uh I thought that, you know so it's it it's an interesting conundrum that they have. Um because you know Andrew Van Ginkle will play that role, you know, left outside linebacker. Um a fair number of you know of snaps and this is not this is not in any way a knock on um on Jalen Phillips uh because I I love him I think he's he's future the contract he's going to earn for himself one day is going to be absolutely massive um but you know I think that they've got a a good problem to have you know where where they they want they want to get Andrew Van Ginkle in there, and um, for good reason because he's been. It, it's kind of staggering just, uh, to think about how good he has been this year um, in the pass rush game. And I mean, from what I saw, I mean, they, they had thirty snaps in there for Jalen Jalen uh, Phillips, and he took every single one of them at you know left outside linebacker. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's kind of, you know, more or less normal for him, but the, the abnormal thing is, is really, is really with Andrew Van Ginkle and trying to figure out how that's going to work. And also, um, how that's going to work for, uh, Emmanuel Agba because, you know, he's got this big contract, he's still playing, uh, and, and I think they want him playing and I think that's, they think that, you know, that's a good thing. But it's pretty clear that they're they're mixing him up more now, and not just making him a left outside linebacker. Um, 
and and that could be because because of Andrew Van Ginkle. Like he's if you see if you see he's taking uh, Emmanuel Ogba is taking a lot of snaps with his hand on the ground mm. um, now, and that's a good thing for him because I think he's better that way. But now he's starting to mix in on the uh, the right side a little bit more, and um, and you know so I think that it's interesting to watch that rotation. Yeah, I like to see him more uh, as a three tech, and I like to see Jalen Phillips start rushing more as a three tech because he's almost he's damn near impossible to block when he's rushing as a three tech. But yeah, I, he should he should he he did that in his first two years. And there is some evidence, by the way, that Fangio. I know I've complained about him on OnlyFans and uh, and elsewhere that you know Fangio has been kind of set in his ways as far as the fronts he's going to play. That's that's actually been changing the last couple of weeks. Like they they're starting to play a lot of different fronts and uh, I think you're going to see even more against the Eagles cuz that's the type of team that you might want to play uh, a more varied uh selection of fronts against. But when this game started, Chris, I don't know if you got the same, you know, feeling of nostalgia that I got. But you saw Adam Thielen out there, LaVisca Chenault, Hayden Hurst, DJ Chark, and I was like, Chubba Hubbard, and I was like, is this 2019? What is going on here? And why are these people moving up and down the field on us? Yeah, it was it was interesting to see them, uh, the way they opened the game up. Um, you know, particularly, I got I to gotta, I gotta rescind maybe my criticism a little bit of uh, Vic Fangio, because... You know, I, I think we all saw probably a prominent play or two. Well, really just one prominent play where Andrew Van Ginkle was back in at inside linebacker and he got just like decleated and it was uh, um, and it was a big run um, off the uh, the offense's left side. And and so we're we're like, oh, here we go again, because this is something that happened in week one against the Chargers. Um you know, Vic Fangio has been running with this kind of this, I think he called it a hunch <laughs> that um, that Andrew Van Ginkle can play there. And so he's been playing there. You know who get time. hunches? You know who get hunches also? Horse players. You know how many well, of those pan out? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I tell you, when, you're hun- when your name is Vic Fangio, though, and you've got a hunch, yeah. then I think that, you know, it, it carries a little bit of weight. So, um, so we, you know, we're here we are, here we go again. We got Andrew Van Ginkle instead of David Long. Not that David Long. I think David Long is actually one of the bigger problems of the defense right now. But um, you know, I, it's just seemed like more stubbornness. But as I went back and watched it, yeah, there was the one play, but um, but there was a lot more going on with that one play than just that. So um, and and really, it 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 only showed up like I could only even count maybe like two or three snaps. Like PFF said there were seven or something like that. And I'm, I'm like, well, I don't, I didn't even see that. Um, and, and only, only just really the one snap that was a problem with they Andrew Van Ginkle being on the inside. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that Vic is dialing down his hunch a little bit and really we're just waiting for, I think David Long to get up to speed and, and Jerome Baker to some extent too. But I think that David Long is, um, is main culprit right now in the in the front seven aside from Emmanuel Agba. Yeah. And and moving on to the to the secondary, I'm I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound odd when you first hear it. I love Eli Apple. You know why I love Eli Apple? Because he's, he's so easy so he's because he will be so easily and cleanly replaced by Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know why I also love Eli Apple? 
cannot imagine this. He commits about 22 to 24 pass interference penalties a game, and they can't call 24 pass interferences in a game. That's true. That's true. He might might ease the waters. So so he will get away with – he. Oh my God, he's so grabby. Uh, I only, I only, you know, I just did a very quick perusal of this game. I counted seven, about seven instances where he's getting not only grabby, but he's just flat out saying, no, 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 you're not getting out of this break. I'm grabbing your arm and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that actually muddies the waters for the other players too, because like, you know, it's like, well, Christ, if they're doing this every single play, we can't throw a flag every play. Can we? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so, but I mean, he gets he gets away with what he can. I think that Eli Apple we probably don't give him enough credit, for, probably because um, I think he's good on the communication, and I think he's a veteran. I think he's been around, um, and I think there's a trust factor out there, even though he's even though he's clearly um, on the receiving end of 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 some balls and and not being not being in great position to uh to knock them down or defend the pass um he gets caught on he gets picked on uh but at least he's trustworthy nothing will piss me off more than watching like the bills game and seeing all of those miscommunications and coverage total breakdowns in the secondary you know, when um, when they tried to have Cater Kohu move out to the outside and Justin Bethel man the inside the entire the entire game and have uh, Brandon Jones in there as safety instead of just Deshaun Elliott. Um, you know, there were so many commu- and Calvin Joseph was one of those communication breakdowns as well. There are so many communication breakdowns and um, and coverage breakdowns. That'll just that'll that'll kill you so fast. Um but you know, at least Eli Apple, you know, yeah, he's letting up a pass, a couple some some passes here and there, but it's not the seventy yard, you know, variety. Um, so, and, and probably... Eli Apple, Eli Apple does this thing that that I absolutely love, where the quarterback throws the ball into the stands, and then Eli Apple does the incomplete sign, you know, yeah, and yeah. and and now that it, he's infected Cater Kohu with that because I saw Cater Kohu do it twice on Sunday yeah. where where Bryce Young is essentially trying to hit the hot dog guy, guy or the beer guy in section, you know, 236. And here comes Cater Kohu saying incomplete. Like if he made, like if he actually did something on the play, uh, but I love the false, I love the irrational confidence. And yeah, you're absolutely right. He, he, it's going to be a seamless transition to Jalen Ramsey. Now, I, I think we could wind down here with a couple of questions. My first being, Man, I I liked what Cam Smith has done so far this year on special teams. Usually, good special teams work when you never played special teams before is the gateway to getting snaps on defense. But you know how old people are, Chris. You know they kind of well, set in their ways. They don't yeah. like young people too much. We don't. There's a lot we're not privy to, but but um, but yeah, I think there there could be a little bit of that. Um, well, people are very actually... distrustful of young of the, the younger folk. Uh, Chris. Well, it's it, you know what's you know why this is going to be an interesting um, thing to watch even when Jalen Ramsey comes back because normally you think Jalen Ramsey comes back that you know forget it right we're mm. we're already sitting here like hey why can't Cam Smith get on he's a rookie by the way uh, but why can't Cam Smith get on the field instead of um, Eli Apple or instead of Justin Bell 
you know, because Justin Bethel was and in garbage time, the, like they've they've had some um, ready made situations. Just well, they, I mean, Cam Smith, Cam Smith did get on the field during our garbage time snaps um, in this game, um, but but I mean, like you know, why can't he get on? What what does Eli ha- Apple have that Cam Smith doesn't, or what does you know Justin Bethel have that? Well, it's one thing that's driving us crazy, um, but you know, when Jalen Ramsey comes back you're not going to be questioning that anymore. You know, who are the top three corners, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, and Cato Coho. And that is, you can lock that in iron, you know, like that's, that, that's the way it is. But then there will be those dime personnel groups and who's, and that's, that's been a, a, an area of sort of rotation so far this year. Justin Bethel was doing it for a while. Um, and he did so well. Uh, did so well at it in the first couple of games that he got the bump up to nickel, um, and then promptly uh, and seemingly lost it, <laughs> lost that job. Um, <laughs> you know, and so and so Eli Apple was going back out there on nickel like he was at the beginning of the year, and and now in this game, Justin Bethel wasn't dime. It was Perry Nickerson. You know, Perry Nickerson was dime. So if we go forward. Jalen Ramsey's back, and it's going to be Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Peter Coho. We get that, but who's the fourth guy? Who's the guy that's going to come on and dime? Is it going to be, you know, are they going to still try and work with Justin Bethel or Perry Nickerson or something like that, or or even Elijah Campbell? Who knows? Um, or is Cam Smith going to finally get his shot? And when he does, you know, because if he came in and finally got a shot, who moves inside to do more damage? Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Ramsey gets to move inside and do some more interesting things as a dime back as a dime defensive player um, in those dime packages. So, so there, there is still a potential light at the end of the tunnel for him, even this year, even knowing that he was taken for when they took him in the draft, they took him for the future. They didn't take him for this year, you know? Um, mm. So you know, there's still there's still some there's still the possibility of him making some impact later on. Yeah, uh, Kristen Wilkins getting his pass rush numbers up, huh? Uh, pretty excited about that. Uh, I like the push that the that the interior defensive line is getting all of a sudden. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's something that's necessary to make your your pass rush work. But um, yeah, on the way out here, very briefly, I think uh, I think we kind of owe a review on the opposing quarterback. I thought he was. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to our own podcast because on Thursday, uh, Simon and I, we were talking about Bryce Young and we were dissecting some of his tape and um, we were talking about how effective he is when they are on schedule. But you heard the names that LaVisca Chenault, Adam Thielen, by the way, Adam Thielen was a guy that was a Chris Greer idea in this this uh, offseason. It never came to fruition because he actually got a little money from from the Carolina Panthers, but let's face it dj shark hayden hurst like that's what he has chubba hubbard their big signing was miles sanders and you know he can't get healthy and he can't ever stay healthy we talked about it on thursday and i think we're kind of vindicated when he's on schedule he's effective and i think he's gonna be good i understand he's tiny and my god when you watch him on the field he took some hellacious hits the one he took from bradley chubb uh, how he he actually had the ball dislodged and then he fell on top of it, but 
yeah, on the way out here, I'd like to get your review on Bryce Young. If it's on my end, you heard it on Thursday, and I'm going to back it up. I like what I see. I think he's going to be a good player in this league, just not this year. He just doesn't have the horses, and that team is just not good enough. But your thoughts, Bryce Young? Um, you know, as a quarterback in the game, uh, I honest, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm be 100 honest here. I, I never felt, I never felt threatened by him. Um, as a quarterback in the game, uh, even even in terms of you know keeping them on schedule and being able, yeah, he he can he can execute when things are, are on schedule uh, to some degree, but then also to an, another degree he could like he you know there's there were there were on schedule plays there that he could have had that you know you yeah, sidestep the rush. Yeah, he's effective on third and fourth. Just a little bit. You third and eight might as well be third and forty. You know. Well, you know, yeah, and, and exactly, and and you sidestep. And I'm not even talking about like run around, make a play, some stuff like that. I'm not, no, no. I'm just sidestep just a little bit, step up just a little bit, make the throw. There was a lot of that that wasn't there. I'm gonna be honest. Um, and and I cannot, I cannot get over how he looks in the pocket dealing with um, dealing with big bodies and big hits. And I just, you know, I just fear for this guy, this guy, this guy is, this guy could wear Mina Kimes pants um, and she's not pregnant anymore. Um, and so I, you know, I think that, I think that this is, this is, it's going to be interesting going forward. Um, you know the the he he does not have a terrible offensive line in front of him heading into this game. No, no, the no Carolina not, not offensive. This, the, and in fact, this was this was sort of a something that deserves mention because we're all looking for signs that the you know our that the Dolphins defense is you know kind of getting getting that stuff together. Um, but heading into this game, uh, the they're the this as a pass blocking unit, the Carolina Panthers are like 16th in pass block win rate, or they, they were heading into the game. Um, and Miami of course was number five in pass rush win rate, which is good. Um, and we expected them to, to assert their authority that way. But, you know, so, so we didn't, we didn't necessarily school from a pass rush standpoint, um, one of the top offensive lines in the league, but it was like one of the middle offensive lines in the, in the league. It was a capable offensive line. And I think he's got a capable offensive line in front of him. And I, I just don't think he's doing all that well with it. And my my standard will always go back to, like, listen, we all watched how Tua Tungavailoa was surrounded in 2020 and mm-hmm. 2021. Or, or I, we should say not surrounded, you know, not, not supported um, with skill players, not supported with good linemen not supported with coaches that, you know, really had a, had a good idea of what they were doing. Um, but we saw what Tua Tungavailo was able to accomplish despite all that. And, uh, and I didn't see that from Bryce Young. So when I see that from Bryce Young, I'll say it. I didn't. Mm-hmm. But we all agree. Uh, CJ Stroud, real deal, huh? Oh, CJ Stroud is, you know, he's been a Mets. Yes, you know he's been really and, good. Yeah, I mean that's 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 uh. All yeah, right, we're, I'm gonna look forward to seeing that for a while. All right, we're gonna end it here because we have a pretty big 
preview coming up on Thursday. Kind of a big game on Sunday Night Football against the Philadelphia Eagles. So on the way out, we'll give out our game balls. I'll give mine first. And, you know, I'm going to stop being cute about this, okay? Because I've been dancing around it. It has to go to Tyreek Hill, <laughs> okay? Oh. Uh, I'm going to give my game ball to Tyreek Hill. And it could have gone a, I could have gone a million ways. I've already danced around the entire offensive line. I gave one to Connor Williams. I gave one to Robert Hunt. Uh, I gave one to Kendall Lamb, uh, or I no, I danced around giving it to Kendall Lamb and ended up giving it to Robert Hunt. Uh, you know, I think I gave one to Bradley Chubb or Andrew Van Ginkle, I believe. I'm not going to be too cute about this one. Uh, Tyree Kill is unguardable. And uh, if you watch some of this this tape, they rolled out even more exotic coverages for this one. None of that ever matters because he just runs past you. And if he doesn't run past you, he's going he's gonna to use – his speed, those motions, and he's going to run dagger routes. He's going to run crossing routes. He's going to run digs. He's always going to be open. Uh, he's not, he's not even a, a security blanket. He is the blanket. So my game ball goes to Tyreek Hill. Long deserved. Uh, he's deserved it at least three times already this year. He finally gets one from me. What say you, Chris? He had he had a great game, um, and I don't want to detract from it at all. But this was, to me, especially on rewatch, this was a signature game, an absolutely signature game and signature moment for Raheem Mostert, um, not just for this season, but as a running back uh, in, you know, for his total career, I think that this was this was threatening to be like there were so many plays that he made on all of his touches that just were, you know, like kind of went under the radar and just the the tackle breaking and um, the elusiveness and the way that he was locked in being without losing Devin uh, Devon Achan um, who was well on his way to an offensive rookie of the year um, showing for the year. And then having, and then kind of going back to Raheem Mostert as, as kind of the lone guy, I think that there was, you know, opportunity to to drop the ball on this one, but instead he stepped up. And he was, to me, the most dominant force and personality on that offense, even including Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, you know, you saw him at different points yelling at Liam Eikenberg because he blew a block on a, you know, on a screen pl- play or, or, you know, Giving shit to Alec Ingold for that for for sort of tackling him on that one play. Yeah, that um, that, that was an awesome play where, where he was looking at Ingold like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And Ingold's like, "I know, man. I'm sorry." Man. <laughs> the look I, on I mean, Ingold's face was like, "Fuck, did I do that?" And then he looks at him and he's like, "Yeah, man. I'm sorry, man. I, I really I am think, sorry." I think that this year Raheem Moster is locked in in a way that probably we didn't see last year, and that um and that's not. You know, I'm not detracting from anything he did for us for the Dolphins last year, but he's locked in and he's backing it up and he's backing it up with his play on the field and, you know, a lot of what he's doing uh, after contact and, and forcing missed tackles and stuff like that. And then still showing that same speed. Um, he was phenomenal in this game. He really was. And I think that this was a signature game for him and I got to give him the game ball. Yeah, and and I believe him every single time he says, "Yeah, I'm 31, but you know, I don't have the knowledge of a 31 year old." Yeah, age does not matter with him. Uh, I, I believe I tend to believe that that mileage thing that he keeps talking about, because I'm sorry, uh, you you hurdle people on the sideline like he did. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he's on the elevator, right? I mean, that play was emblematic, but it was it was probably only the 12th or 14th play that he had made, you know, like uh, or, or the 12th or 14th impressive thing that he had done um, as the game went on. Like he'd already had a, a Baker's dozen of of really. Yeah, impressive like I'll, I'll tell you how, how important that plays. that play was. Uh, I'm, I'm watching the game outside uh, in my lanai. <laughs> my TV outside, right? So I'm watching the game outside. My wife is watching the game in the living room. And when it's 14 nothing, my daughter had gone upstairs and then we scored a touchdown. And then she's like, okay, I'm the jinx. So I'm going to stay watching the game upstairs. When that play happened, all you see is my daughter running down the stairs. Did you see that? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> we're watching the game. We're, we're, we're seeing the same thing you are. Yeah. So yeah, unbelievable play. It's, it's, it's an incredible play and i can't wait to see see this train keep a rolling next week uh, he's got he's got he's got 25 he's he's forced 25 missed tackles this year and uh you know i think it was his number last year i think that's more than last year i, I mean yeah it's been six games <laughs> <laughs> insane insane i i guess this is for I guess uh he's dedicating the season to to Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, uh, anybody else that they that they might have gone after, or do you well, think that was all a ploy to motivate? Who didn't they? Who didn't they go after? You know, yeah, they but, went after Earl Campbell, Mercury Morris, exactly. Tony Dorsett. He's got so he's 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 behind only the only two guys that have more missed tackles, forced missed tackles than him are Christian McCaffrey at twenty seven and Travis Etienne at twenty nine. Both guys have like at least thirty-five more carries than he does, you know. And both um, are having monster years, by the way. And so. and they're both having monster years. Like, give them credit; they're they're doing well, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, but, we're we're gonna end it here. Big game on Thursday. We'll have the whole gang for that one. We're gonna talk about Dolphins Eagles on Sunday Night Football in front of that crowd. That crowd, you can hear it in my in my voice. Man, would it be fun to just beat them right there in the link? We'll talk about it on Thursday, but till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.